Welcome, writers, readers, and friends to the Authors Talking Bookish podcast. I'm Donna Norman Carbone, author of All That is Sacred. And I'm Hope Gibbs, author of Where the Grass Grows Blue. We're two debut writers traditionally published by a small publishing house, bringing to you all the experiences that we as authors learn the hard way, so you don't have to. We'll give you insights from the inception of a book idea to publication and beyond. And along the way, we'll share our love of books from the writer's perspective. Hi, everybody. Welcome to our third episode of Authors Talking Bookish. I am Donna Norman Carbone, author of All That Is Sacred. And today for our episode, we are going to talk about where and how a writer begins after they have their first draft. Hello, Donna. It's so good to see you again. So I am too. So I am Hope Gibbs, and I am the author of Where the Grass Grows Blue. And so this is our third episode, Donna. And so what's been going on with you? What books are you reading? What's going on with your own book, All That Is Sacred? So I've been doing a number of events, which is pretty cool. Um, never done that before. All these new moments that keep popping up, which is fantastic. Um, and yeah, so I, I did a couple of live events and I did a few podcasts. So um, I'm studying them. So so we know what to do with ours. <laughs> I like that. I like that. We're, we're writers after all. We love to do research. Yeah, we absolutely do. We're observers of the world. <laughs> it was funny. I, I saw a t-shirt one time. It said, be careful. I'm a writer. Whatever you do can be used against you. So, um, <laughs> so I'm like, yeah, I do, I do. yeah, it is. So, well, that sounds exciting. Events and, and book signings and book tours. Yeah. What do you, what are you up to? Well, uh, my, my book, uh, Where the Grass Grows Blue, uh, has been doing some more book tours, blog tours. Um, I've been doing uh, quite a few interviews. I've actually uh, written some articles, some guest posts and, and things like that. And, you know, hopefully in the fall, there'll be some book fairs that are going to be in my future. So fingers crossed. And actually, I've been doing a lot of writing and I've been doing a lot of reading. Oh, cool. What are you reading? So I just finished this one right here. It's, I don't know if you can see oh, this. It's yeah, it's the first book that I've ever read from her. And it, I'm going to tell you, it won't be the last. I really enjoyed it. And last summer, I fell in love with this author. It's Carly Fortune. And this is Meet Me at the Lake. And I was at my uh, local uh, bookstore here in Nashville called Parnassus. And I was like, you know what? I got to pick this up. So um, I'm I'm just in, in it. I'm not finished quite yet. What about you? That's so funny because I am reading that book as well. And I'm a big Jojo Moyes fan. I would highly recommend the Me Before You series. I think she has three books in that series. It's very good. And um, I'm about three chapters into Meet Me at the Lake. Every Summer After was one of my favorite reads last year. Carly Fortune is really breaking out into the literary world, which is very cool. It's very exciting. So Donna, why don't you tell us what is our episode today about? So our episode today is where do you get ideas to um, write a book, to get that first draft? 
done. Um, and so one of the things that I think about, and I also talk to when I teach my writing students is to, as you were mentioning before, we have to be observers of the world, right? So um, one of the things that I think is important is to really hone in on the things that you like and the things that you pay attention to when reading. So think about characterization, genres, points of view, settings, beginnings, endings, um, all the things that you gravitate to in the reading that you do. Well, let's let's talk a little bit about genres because I I am drawn to multiple genres, but I do have my go-to. And for me, it would be upmarket, uh, contemporary romance fiction, uh, women's fiction. Sometimes I throw in a, a thriller or suspense. I'm not really into horror books, but you know, I have nothing against them. But I, when I go to the bookstore, obviously the cover is the first thing that, you know, grabs my attention or the fact that I like a particular author, but those are my go-to genres. What are your go-to genres? So I, similar to you, I gravitate towards women's fiction and there's so, so many different kinds of women's fiction. I love historical fiction. I like chiclet when I'm reading on a beach. Um, I like literary books as well. Um, I just, I love the writing in them. I just read um, Demon Copperhead by Barbara Kingsolver. Um, and I teach David Copperfield every year. And oh my goodness, did she blow me away. The parallels are just amazing. And um, she just nailed every aspect of that book. And she's, to me, she's just a literary genius. Her style is amazing. That's something that I gravitate to. Um, maybe because I'm a teacher of writing and we talk about, um, you know, the writer's toolbox and, and what writers use when they are trying to express themselves. So I really just love the beauty of language. Agreed. So let's talk a little bit. So our audience are people that maybe are thinking about writing a book. Maybe they're already in the middle of writing the book. Let's start with one of the basics. One of the most important things when you decide to write a book, it's point of view. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think that's one thing that sometimes as readers, maybe um, you don't really notice. In fact, my mother just said to me, um, I'm reading a book and I feel like I'm in this character's head. And I said, it's called stream of consciousness, mom. It's, you know, first person. And so she said, I never really put two and two together. I said, well, you wouldn't if you, you know, didn't know the ins and outs of writing, but I think point of view is important. I know that um, my first book, I started with multiple POVs. I had five different characters, points of view, and that just wasn't working. So I had to whittle it down to one. And my second book is three different points of view. So um, Hope, why don't you tell us a little bit about the difference between first person, second person, third? Well, so I'm kind of like your mom on the, when I was a reader, just, you know, I, I would read a book a week or two books a week. I didn't pay attention to POVs. It wasn't until I became a writer, I realized, uh-oh, I better know what kind of point of view I'm going to write. So my first book 
uh, where the grass grows blue, I ended up writing it in third person limited. So we're going to we're going to get to all of those right now. And I know with all that is sacred, it's first person. Am I correct, Donna? Yeah. Yeah, it's first person and it's present tense. So it's like happening now. Yes. Um, and that's, I, I actually prefer present tense. I don't know. I, 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 both of my books I've written are both in present tense. But um, so first person, you use the words I or me. It's the character. They're directly, they're talking to you. Um, and you can really get into someone like your mother said, you really get into the mind of the character. But there are limitations with writing that way because you can have an unreliable, you know, narrator. They're going to be biased because you're seeing the book. The book is told through their perspective and they're telling you what they want to tell you. Yeah. Yeah. It's always interesting to me when you read a book to consider the reliability of the narrator. Yeah. I read a book last summer and the narrator at the end completely flipped on me and it, it took me by surprise. It was written in first person and uh, I didn't. Was it Verity? Well, that one too, that one really. Yeah, that's another to one that totally um, flips itself. It was called the, it was called the perfect, perfect murder, I believe is what it was. And oh, okay. the, the last, the last few pages really got to me. So then there's also second person. And I'm going to let Donna, because she is the English teacher. She is the <laughs> specialist. And I'll admit, Donna, I don't read a lot of book in second person. I, I really don't know if I've ever read a book in second person. Yeah, I think um, second person poses some challenges because it invites the reader to be a character in the book. Um, and so I think you have to be very careful with that because you run the risk of turning off your reader if you're not speaking for them. So one of the books that I um, teach every year is Catcher in the Rye. And that employs the first, the second person. Um, when Holden says, you know, if you really want to hear about my lousy childhood. Um, and so he's talking directly to the reader, which, you know, maybe a psychiatrist, we don't know for sure. Um, but yeah, you have to be very careful. I can't think of any modern day books that I have read that have the second person that use the second person. Yeah. Well, so first person is very popular, but third person seems to be popular as well in fiction. And I have the experience of third person narrator because that's what I wrote. So you can have a third person limited, meaning you're focusing on a one character, a single character, or you can also have an omniscient kind of narrator, third person. And with an omniscient narrator, they know all. They know everything about every character, what's ever happened. And that has kind of not, it's not as popular as it used to be. But I've, I've actually read a book recently that employed an omniscient narrator. Um, so tell us a little bit about your experiences with third person, because you said you wrote your second book in, in third person. Yeah, I did. Um, before I get to that, though, I just want to make a point about third person, third person limited. Um, the pros and cons to that is that you only are in the mind and the body of that person. Um, so you can't see um, what's going on outside that person's periphery or the thoughts of other characters, whereas the omniscient you can. Um, but the omniscient, I think, distances the reader a little bit from the story because the narrator is distanced from the story. It's usually not part of it. Um, 
And yeah, I, I prefer first person. I think I prefer reading first person too, although I do read quite a bit of third person. There's a lot out there. Um, but my second book is third person limited and it has three different points of view. And so that also poses its challenges because I think as a writer, you have to think, how am I going to distinguish between each of the voices that I'm writing in? So a couple of tips that I have um, is to, you know, give them some personality traits that are kind of quirky and unique to them. And also think about the language that they use to speak and think um, because it has to be a reflection of that personality. And I think that's one way that I tried to keep myself in check in terms of distinguishing one point of view from another in my second book. Yeah. So for my first book, Where the Grass Grows Blue, I only focused on my main character, Penny. I, She was the, the only character that, that had that point of view, but it was my first manuscript. So when I first started doing content edits and after, even after I, I sold my book to the publisher and I was doing edits with them, I realized how many times that I slipped out of POV. And mm -hmm. it's so easy to do, I think, especially with third person, because, you know, I, I would have things that Bradley thought and I was like, wait, I, I, I can't know what's in his mind. So then I have to take the cues of what is his face telling Penny? What, what is the sound of his voice? Uh, you know, you don't want to say he said angrily because, you know, we, we don't like adverbs or anything like that. But, you know, he slammed his hand. That, that's a, an action. And so that was something that was really hard for me to get my mind around. I didn't slip a lot, but mm -hmm. sometimes it was it, it took a lot to get out of the mess that I found myself in. Did you ever did you ever find that you slipped out of POV, especially with your second book? Yeah, I absolutely did. And that was something that my content editor pointed out to me. So that was something I needed to work on was just, you know, staying consistent in the head of the person that was talking. Yeah. So now we've got this, the first draft. And, and so you said other things that if you're writing a book and, and you're looking at books differently now when you're reading, mm -hmm. let's talk about tropes. Do you want to, okay. you want to touch, touch base a little bit about that? Yeah, so a trope is a common um, formula almost, you know, boy meets girl, um, friends to or enemies to friends to lovers. Those are some common tropes. Um, there's a host of them and they're used um, quite frequently, mostly, I would say, in romance. Yeah. And I think that um, I think that you would start to recognize them if you knew sort of the formula of them, but I think just a reader might not realize those, but I do think it's something that you want to think about when you're writing. Are you writing a certain trope? Are you writing against a trope? You know, like the opposite of one. Yeah. What about I'll, you? Uh, again, you know, I, I, as I tell everyone, I didn't set out to write a book. I set out to have a I uh, find myself with my little mini midlife crisis when my children were getting ready to, to you know, leave the nest to go to college. Um, so when I started writing my book, I kind of stumbled into them without really knowing it. And and the thing with my book is I mix multiple tropes. I didn't I didn't realize it. I didn't plan on it. But I think it was just from being a reader <laughs> story that I wanted to tell. Um, so I have the trope of coming home. I have the the second chance at love. I have the um, kind of 
you know, friends to enemies to friends to lovers kind of trope as well. Mm -hmm. um, but they can be very helpful when you are doing that first draft, writing that manuscript. Yeah. Yeah. So can archetypes. Yeah. So like there are character archetypes that, um, you know, represent a certain kind of character, like, um, you know, like the hero, um, like the character who um, is overcoming like a psychological issue. I don't know if the Joker comes to mind when I'm thinking about that, but um, yeah, there are certain archetypes that you could think about in terms of your characters as well. And Lynn, you know, I know you're not supposed to compare your journey with anyone else's, but sometimes mm -hmm. it, it's helpful to tell people brutal honesty. How long did it take you to write your first draft? Because I mean, I know some people can pop one of those things out in months and some it can take years. How long did it take you to write your first draft of All That Is Sacred? So it took me about a year to write the first initial draft, but um, I walked away from it for a number of years and then came back to it and edited it for, you know, over a seven year period. Wow. So long time. What was the initial word count? I'm curious. Oh, gosh. It was over 120,000 words for sure. And I, I needed to cut back, cut back, cut back. That's always my problem. I'm an overwriter. So I tend to write way more than I need to and then cut back. But for me, that works. Yeah. So I came in at 120,000 words with my first draft. And, you know, again, I, I didn't really set out to write this book, but it kind of happened. And publishers, they don't want to debut, especially in women's fiction, pretty much over 95,000 words. Yeah. So they prefer it to be somewhere between what, 78, I think, and 95,000 words. Yeah. So uh, yeah, so but I don't think it's wrong. I think write what you feel for that draft, because don't sit there and try to edit your first draft as you're writing it, because that can... Yeah that can trip you up. It can make you almost not want to keep going. Yeah. Yeah. And it takes much longer. Um, one thing that I wanted to mention, cause you brought it up is when, before I decided to get serious about writing, I had no idea that there were word count guidelines and they vary according to genre. Yes, so that's something that, um, you know, the writers out there need to be mindful of and you can find that you can Google, Google that, um, but yeah, depending on your genre, um, the, the word counts vary for sure. And I think it's important, you know, if you know that you're writing suspense or if you know you're writing sci-fi or fantasy, go on and start getting in with, with groups like that or, or just start following authors that you like their work. And that mm -hmm. can kind of give you a guideline again, because now I know what is expected from women's fiction, contemporary romance, but I think it would have been helpful as I was writing my own first draft, mm -hmm. if I had started researching that while I was writing. Yeah. 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 These are some of the things we learned the hard way. Yes, we did. Um, we want to kind of get into sharing some of our favorite craft books because there are so many craft books out there um, that I think if you're not aware of them, you should be aware of them and you should check some of them out. So I'm going to share a couple of my favorite and then Hope's going to do the same. So um, this is the newest one 
that came out. It's Launchpad Countdown to Writing Your Book. Um, it is, it is um, edited by Emma Desi and Grace Salmon. And what I love about this is that it's an anthology written by, each chapter is written by a different author. And it just really runs the gamut, like online research tools, harness the power of selecting the right point of view, um, countdown to building your grossing world, show and tell, the key to engaging meaningful storytelling. This is something that I think you'll want to keep by your desk because I think it's a good tool. And then the second one that I want to share, this is one of my go-tos as well. It's called Save the Cat Writes a Novel. Um, one of my loves is film. And actually the author of this book originally wrote Save the Cat for screenwriting. Um, and then she morphed it into one for fiction writing. And so um, she gives you a very practical outline of, you know, the different beats they're called a beat is a um, point in the story that something happens and needs to occur in order to move to the next thing that needs to happen. So, um, so this is a very practical book and she even has worksheets um, that go along with this that I use and I actually use them with my writing students as well. So I think this is a really good book to have. Um, in your armory. And we mention a bunch of them on our show notes, but Hope, why don't you share yours? So a couple of books that really changed my writing, um, and I, I discovered them after I had written the first draft. I <laughs> discovered them as I was editing. Uh, one is called The the Busy Writer's Guide, um, and it's by Marcy Kennedy. And she does several of these books. There's one on dialogue, one on point of view, one showing, not telling. Um, I devoured those books and and they're on my phone. I, I use it through my um, Apple books. So whenever I'm writing on my computer, I don't have to be looking for a page. I can just immediately go to my phone. And the other one, and I think the other one is one of the most important. I use it all the time. is the Emotional Thesaurus. And if you have not uh, looked up this book, it is fantastic. Um, Donna actually has it again. I have mine electronically. And the great thing about the emotional thesaurus is especially helps you with point of view. It tells you the word anger. Okay. Well, we all know the definition of anger, but it goes deeper. It tells you what you would be feeling if you were angry. And then it goes a step further. If you're, if Donna is angry, it is telling me the cues that Donna would be giving me and, you know, her nostrils will flare. Um, her forehead, you know, beads of sweat. So those are really important tools, especially when you're getting into the nitty gritty of writing your manuscript. Yeah, those are great uh, books. And um, so the author of The Thesaurus is Angela Ackerman and Becca Puglisi, and they have a whole series. It's not just an emotional thesaurus. Yeah. There's a conflict thesaurus, um, many of them. So check those out because those are very helpful. And Donna, we're running out of time here. We're going to wrap it up. And I know we wanted to talk a little bit about nano. I, we're going to maybe push that into a different episode about writing your book. Um, but why don't you just tell everyone um, our do nails? Sure. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, so our do now for today is to choose a craft book or two to read. 
Um, and we also have a download for you on our website and it's called Inception Checklist. And so it's all the things that you want to um, consider when you're starting to write a novel. Um, and so you can find that on our website and Hope is going to tell you where to get that. Yeah, you can find our website at um, authorstalkingbookish.com. There's no space. It's all one word. Or you can follow us on Instagram. We would love to have some Instagram friends over there. So we uh, we post uh, several times a week, just giving you little updates and, and little writing tips. So uh, Donna, do you want to tell us what our next episode is going to be? Sure. Um, our next episode is going to air July 19th. And the title of it is, You Have a First Draft, Now What? Well, I'm excited for that. And again, thank you everyone for joining us for episode three. Yeah, this has been a great time. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. Bye. Thank you for joining us today. I'm Hope Gibbs. And I'm Donna Norman Carbone. It's time for you to get to work. We look forward to seeing you in two weeks with another tip from your author friends.